welcome back to our podcast. I'm Lena Khatib. And I'm Claudia Musical. And today we will be talking about the 1997 film Titanic. Let's go through some basic facts about the movie. So the movie Titanic was released on December 19th, 1997, and is written and directed by James Cameron. It stars Leonardo DiCaprio and Kate Winslet, and has a total runtime of 195 minutes. The budget was $200 million, which at the time it was the most expensive movie made, and the gross worldwide was almost $2.2 billion, which that was also the record for the box office until James Cameron's other film, Avatar, beat it in 2010. The movie was released by 20th Century Fox and Paramount. It was nominated for 14 Oscars, tying All About You for most nominations and won 11, including Best Picture and Best Director. The movie took a total of 1,945 people to create. That's including cast and crew, which I always think is kind of fun to see like how big a movie actually is behind the scenes. And for the logline, for those of you who've never heard of Titanic or have never seen it for some odd reason. Which, who are you? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's about a 17-year-old aristocrat that falls in love with a kind but poor artist aboard the luxurious, ill-fated RMS Titanic. Thank you for that intro, Lena. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> All right. So now I think we're just going to go over both of our impressions of the film, which I have seen the film many times from being a kid to a teen to an adult. And Lena, I've actually never seen it all the way through. This is my first time watching it all the way through. And if you're wondering how that could possibly be, I've only seen uh, tape two because I am old, but not super old. But I do remember VHSs and I was only allowed to watch tape two, which tape two is the part where the Titanic falls apart and hits the iceberg. And that was only because tape one had that infamous nudity scene that like God forbid we watched as kids, so we were not allowed to watch tape one. And so Which I never actually tame. It's pretty it is tame. so tame. <laughs> like I watched it and I was like, that was what it is. Like that is so tame. We can talk about that later. But like, yeah. Oh my God. I thought it was way worse than it was. Like it was hyped up in my mind, like as a kid. Yeah. So I never watched it all the way through. And then I don't know, just years and years passed by, and then here we are. I finally got to watch it. I just need to mention it was hyped up in my mind, too, and I saw it, but it was still hyped up in my mind as a child. <laughs> so maybe your right. parents had some reasoning. <laughs> Which, okay, I guess we could talk about that scene since we're here, but it was super hyped up in my mind. When I watched it, I realized, oh, she just shows her tits. Like, that's all we see. Okay. Yeah. And it was hyped up as, like, way worse in my mind of a scene. And I, a part of me now as an adult watching it, I was like, wait, this is kind of messed up that like it was seemed more horrible, you know, to watch that scene versus watching the scene where they all freeze to death. Like somehow <laughs> violence was okay. Watching a ship fall apart and people die <laughs> like was okay. But like seeing a pair of boobs was just like not okay. That is actually such, like, an insightful, you know, observation. <laughs> um, and they don't even have sex in that scene. I mean, no. just and even put it out there. <laughs> when they do have sex, like, it's just the hand on the glass. Like, it's just, like, you don't see anything. 
and they're a little sweaty. It's some sweaty, sweaty times. But um, yeah. <laughs> and that scene is really, really empowering if you think about it. I feel like that's like Rose really like taking back some control of her life and, you know, taking an action to empower herself through this nudity and this drawing. Right. No, I completely agree. So I don't know. I just I found it so funny that that's what it ended up being like all the hoopla. <laughs> that's a fun word about. Yeah. That's what it was. <laughs> Sounds like a lot of hoopla. <laughs> yeah, but I will say adolescent Claudia was definitely like reenacting that scene, laying on my bed, just pretending like, you know, he was drawing me like one of his French girls. <laughs> I'm a weirdo. I did that with a lot of movies, so don't judge me. Honestly, though, this movie has been so memefied that I always just think of like that cat meme where it's like, draw me what like one of your French girls and it's like a little cat laying down. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but that's what I I think of every time. I just think of like, it's been 84 years. That's the meme I know. Yes. Which I did want to obviously tell our audience that they're clearly spoilers that we're talking about in this. So if you've never seen Titanic, and you want to watch Titanic, just pause the podcast and don't go any further. But if you don't care or if you've seen it, keep listening. Which that's going to be like the whole every episode will be spoilers. So yes, heads up. <laughs> I guess. Do we want to talk about like our overall impression of the film? Yeah. Like I said, that was the first time I've watched it all the way through. And after I was done, I just felt like, wow. And I texted you. I was like, wow. And you're like, this could mean so many things. And it's literally a perfect movie. Like, I I don't even. I agree. Like, I'm just like, wow, I'm so blown away. Like, how did James Cameron nail it? Like, it's a perfect movie. It's for every audience. I agree completely. And I, when I was going to watch it again, since I'd already seen it, I really wasn't that excited because I was like, I have already seen this movie. And then watching it now at my current age, After some years, I really appreciated it that much more, especially having gotten into film probably since the last time I saw it as a teen. I was like, this is a perfect movie in every way. And it's a big Hollywood film, a big blockbuster, but yet it still has so much artistic integrity. Yeah, and I was just so amazed by it because, you know, I sometimes hate feeling this way, but sometimes when like people overhype a movie, I'm like, is it really that good? Like, was it really that impactful? And this is a movie that's been extremely overhyped. And now I watched it and I was like, well, it deserves every single amount of hype that it ever got because he nailed it. Like, I don't. groundbreaking is what it is and it's a combination of I think absolutely everything people might want to say it's not artistic because it's a blockbuster but it is and that maybe they don't think of James Cameron as like an auteur as other directors but he is in my opinion absolutely he is yeah something that you know I was thinking about the whole time watching it too is like there's a lot of discussion lately especially within the film industry of like having more female leads and like having more female characters which is like obviously important like we should have a lot more female characters than we've had historically but then I watched something like Titanic which came out in 1997 and I'm like how can you tell me that Rose is not a strong female lead hell yeah that I thought that as well like I didn't realize back in the day how strong a female lead she was and such a good example for young girls everywhere watching yeah like I think and I think sometimes 
characters like Rose might be misunderstood to an extent because, oh, she fell in love with a boy. Okay, so what? What's wrong with love? What's wrong with falling in love? What's wrong mm-hmm. with meeting somebody who inspires something out of you right, that or changes like, your whole life? The boy for being like the reason she's a strong character. But that's not it. It's not about the no. boy. It's about the love that inspired her to change. It could have been anyone or anything, but it's right. still her story. Well, I was going to say, I don't know if it could have been anyone because the reason why Jack impacted her so much is because he was everything she wished she could be. Right, right. Well, it could have but yeah, anyway, yeah, it's not about the fact that he was a white man. Let's just be real. Yeah, like, like it's not even about that because she was engaged to a rich white man. So like, yeah, it's right. deeper and than I, that. I wanted to touch on some things when I was watching the movie. I took a ton of notes and I had to break down kind of what I thought about the characters and the words I had for Rose were like, she's naive, but still extremely strong and smart. Like she has a naivety because of her environment. But or even just her age. She's 17. That t- yeah, she's 17, which I had to look up because I would not have guessed that. But yeah, like she's 17. I think they might have said it like very briefly in the beginning of the movie. Like I caught it. Oh, I think because, yeah, like the old Rose said like I was 17 or something. She like mm. just says it in a passing yeah. comment when she sets the scene. Yeah, she was 17 years old. Like she was so young. And it was obviously a different time. It's like over 100 years ago at this point that the Titanic happened. Right. And so Uh, 17 combined with her wealth, like she didn't get certain life experiences because she was sheltered, you know, in a certain way. But she was extremely intelligent and very strong, in my opinion. Yeah, and I agree. She's somebody who, like, if I watched the movie as a kid in full, I would (laughs) have had, like, way more respect for her character. Because as we know, in the second half of the movie, it's just them you know, trying to get off the boat. So, like, right. I don't know anything about her character from just watching her try to get off the boat. Like, right, right. And I think the movies are really, it's almost, like, split into two. It's, like, this exciting love story, and then it goes into this, like, chaotic tragedy. While watching it, I was pausing and noticing, like, the runtime where it was. Yeah. That last hour of the movie, James Cameron did it deliberately, so it's the hour yeah. of chaos yeah. of the boat. Which I thought right. that was so brilliant. I think totally justifies it being three hours and 15 minutes. I get it. Because you're doing it in real time. But you also have to have this love story. You can't do that in an hour and a half. No. And I like thought it was so genius that he did that hour in real time. Instead yeah. of just like kind of like making it be only 20 minutes. But it's like an hour in the movie's time. Absolutely not. So for people who criticize the length, I do not agree. It was warranted. <laughs> it's an epic. It's a Hollywood epic. It's like a... I think it's honestly the gone with the wind of our generation. I could see that. And because it's not racist. Yes. (laughs) Well, I mean, well, okay. uh, (laughs) There isn't diversity, but I don't know if that's the movie's fault or just the historical accuracy of who was on the ship. Yeah, it's like this thing was going from Europe to America. America. And I don't know, what did it take off from England or Ireland? One of the two. That's a pretty white place. And they did yeah. have some diversity with, like, the immigrants. But it's still, I mean, likely those are who the passengers were. Because James Cameron studied this for five years. He brought on historians. He was doing his job to be as accurate as possible. So I'm pretty sure he hopefully wouldn't just, you know, overlook something like that. But yeah which one of the questions I had um when I was watching the movie and maybe this is a perfect segue into their little fun facts section okay is what came first 
Titanic or Cameron's ocean exploration obsession? Because if oh. you know anything about James Cameron, he is obsessed oh, yeah. with ocean exploration. So there's actually a quote that is in my trivia. And uh, basically, well, I'm not going to give you a direct quote, but the inspiration for the film came from Cameron's fascination with shipwrecks. And he basically wanted to live out his shipwreck dreams on Hollywood's dime. And he felt kind of getting too old to lead some you know, shipwreck expedition, but he was like, no, I want to do it. He followed his passion and obsession. And somehow he got the studios to give him funding before he even had a script written. And they let him have funding to go shoot the actual footage of the Titanic that you see in the modern day shots. I do want to interject for a second and say, if you're like over here listening, thinking like, oh, well, James Cameron is a white man. Well, James Cameron also at this point had proved himself in his career to be a reliable filmmaker that can make the studios a lot of money. Like he did after Terminator, this is after Aliens, after all these giant movies that he Well, and that's why they agreed to this is because they wanted to keep the relationship with him because they saw like the success of Terminator. So the studios, they weren't completely sold because he pitched it as Romeo and Juliet on the Titanic. And they kind of were like, but is it going to be like Terminator? And he was kind of like, no, but (laughs) you know (laughs) what I mean? That Romeo and Juliet, I felt it. And I don't know if it's just because Leo plays Jack and then he also plays Romeo and Romeo plus Juliet. But I felt that Romeo and Juliet element in their love story. Just because it's such a youthful love story. Like to me, I haven't really been in love as like a young teen like that. And obviously I've missed my chance, but I it made me want that love. Same. I was gonna say, like, Just like I am that really not young seen. love. Which I never want that, but it made me want it. Okay, I don't know. Should I give you some more yeah, fun let's, facts? Let's keep going. All right, let's see. For the Titanic, they actually built a whole new studio, Fox did, in Mexico, where they built a ship that was like the full size of the Titanic. I mean, it wasn't like functional and there were only two working sets, but it was the literal size of the Titanic. Um, Another fun fact is that many extras and actors on the film got sick during this because they were just in the water for hours. And it was actual, for some of the scenes, cold Mexico ocean water. And Kate Winslet actually got hypothermia. Oh, wow. While filming. Because for the, you know, the dress she wears for like the whole end of the movie the really pretty one that gets wet and whatnot she couldn't wear a wetsuit under that everybody else got to wear a wetsuit under their bulky like clothing but she couldn't so she got hypothermia she also chipped a bone in her elbow she thought she was gonna drown it wasn't easy telling you people acting is not glamorous it might look like it but this is some other reality that you have to face when you're an actor and then to lead with that um they did have 150 core extras who they kept using throughout the whole production because they didn't want to have to like teach extras all the time the 1912 etiquette and behavior and fit them for new period costumes which it also makes sense because they're on a boat together so like why would there be different people like I know the boat had like what 2000 ish yeah but still but yeah yeah and I love this personally but James Cameron all 150 extras he went up to them personally and gave them actual backstory on different passengers on the boat to like kind of use for their background acting which some people think background acting is nothing but it can be more than that you can get a whole character if you have a director who gives it to you it's I mean it's important I have background acting experience and you know it might seem like a small part 
But what is the saying? There's no small parts, only small actors. Right. I mean, it's necessary. There's no lines per se, but like, you know, it's necessary to create that realism. You have to create the realism because it's 1912. You can't just act how you'd act now. So I'd say you're still acting. Yeah. Uh, Okay, let's see. I just have a couple more fun facts before we move on to another segment. An interesting fact is this movie could have totally sank Fox Studios. They could have been done for if it didn't do well at the box office, considering how expensive it was. And Fox really took on the bulk of the funding with Paramount giving in like 60 mil or something. And it was not supposed to cost 200 million. James Cameron thought initially it was going to be like 8 million. He was wrong. Wow. Um, So it just kept getting more and more expensive. And they wanted to cut a whole hour out of it to cut costs. But James Cameron was like, nope, if you do that, you have to fire me. And if you want to fire me, you're going to have to kill me. And this leads (laughs) to my other fun fact, probably the last one. James Cameron actually forfeited his share of the profit for Titanic. uh, Oh, wow. Because it was going so over budget and... The studio execs were not happy. They didn't have a lot of faith in the film at the time. And neither did the critics before it came out. They were like, oh, it's overhyped. It's, you know, it's not going to be good. So the studio heads thought they were going into ruin. So to make them feel better, Cameron was like, you know, I won't take my initial like um, salary or like the initial um, percentage. I think he did get some of the percentages later on since there was like a clause or something where if it you know, did outstandingly good, then he would get some money. So, yeah, but that's how much he cared about this film, that he was like, fuck it. (laughs) I'm not going to get paid. I mean, I never knew that. And that's so, like, admirable as a filmmaker to hear that because, you know, he believed in himself and his project so much that he was willing to give up his salary and use that towards funding the movie. And knowing what we know now, like, it made 2.2 billion dollars which was a huge record at the time i know nowadays it's like every marvel movie beats it but you know at the time that was was a big huge deal it was a big deal and i remember growing up being like titanic is the highest grossing film of all time like that's just what i would hear all the time uh because like i said avatar his other movie is what beat it but that was in 2010 so it was a you know the highest grossing film for like over 20 years, which is incredible. Right. And, and it's like another James Cameron film beat that. So that's yeah, something right there with Avatar. So, you know, you might not like the guy or might not like his work, but you can't deny the fact that he is one of the best filmmakers of our time. He's and proven himself. The mass appeal. There's something to be said for it. Yeah, I completely agree. Uh, Wait, okay. I'm so sorry. I know I said that was the one like last fun fact, but I have one that is so good that you guys don't want to miss this. During production, an angry crew member drugged the soup on set with PCP and sent 50 people to the hospital. That's a hallucinogenic Oh my drug. God. <laughs> I just want you to know that. And uh, here's a quote from IMDb. They thought it was shellfish poisoning until... A crew member was demanding to see a priest. The director of photography was leading a conga line. And the assistant director was talking to Cameron over a walkie-talkie while looking straight at him. And then stabbed him in the cheek with a pen. Oh, they knew my something God. Was <laughs> I just thought that was really, really interesting. And um, What happened? 
well, the guy who who poisoned everybody. They never they never caught him. But I mean, I will just say, I have heard and seen online that James Cameron is not always the easiest to work with on set. I mean, it's understandable. I I always have mixed feelings when I hear comments like that about directors because as a director myself and when you're working in like a creative environment it does get intense and it does. it's it's not a different environment than your like traditional workplace but i've also worked in retail jobs where mm-hmm. my bosses were awful people and yeah. so i don't understand why directors get more flack for being quote unquote not reasonable or understanding to work with which to me that's so vague that i'm like what does that even mean like specifically is it like the long hours well that's kind of what you sign up for when you're on set is it many takes well for me that's not an issue because there's clearly something not working and it's not even like that has nothing to do with your specific job on set Mm -hmm. you know which i will say i think with him and I'm not even saying this is a bad thing, but it was, it's like he runs a military-esque set. But I'm like, with this thing that big and that much money, I kind of get it. Like, he's not right. playing around. He's not going to be nice. Like, you know, like drill sergeant style. Yeah. But Which people I- have obviously, they've worked with him again. So, I don't know. He's had repeat collaborators. But uh, some people were angry and they drugged, they drugged the soup. Which, not to like, also undermine anyone who's had a bad experience because sometimes it's more than just like a work environment experience obviously we know that there's a history of abuse and assault that can happen on sets as well and I only bring that up yeah just to like not belittle anyone who's experienced anything like that and or even say that it's okay for a director to treat people like that no we don't know the full story we We don't know the whole story but I feel like sometimes I hear comments like that and it's like, well, it is going to be difficult. Because like you said, it's a $200 million budget movie. That's a lot of money. A lot is at stake. So tensions do run a little high, especially if you thought your movie was only going to be a $8 million budget and now it's $200 million. There's a lot mm-hmm. of stress, a lot of pressure. So it is kind of a catalyst. If you think in a way. you're going to ruin a studio and never work again because you made Fox Studios shut down... I just got to yeah. put that in just for perspective. Like that's kind of a lot to handle. And so of course you're going to want to be very specific and want to be a drill sergeant and want to make sure everything is running smoothly because that's a lot to coordinate and deal with. Um, mm-hmm. I just feel like, I guess like as somebody in the industry, I have a little bit more empathy in how it all happens and what, you know, directors right. deal with. And without hearing like firsthand experiences, like, Sometimes people like to, you know, over-exaggerate things just for the glory of the story. So Yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, like, it sounds, ooh, so, like, you know, spicy and gossipy. Like, oh, he's a hard director to work with. Like, it just sounds like, you know. But you still shouldn't, like, put drugs in a soup that's going to affect the Yeah. So that's not right either. (laughs) No. Which, thankfully, old lady Rose uh, didn't eat the soup, so she was okay. Oh my god, that would have been so glorious. Well, what would have happened? <laughs> I know. And Cameron was able to like vomit before it took effect, but a lot of people, like fifty people, had to go to the ER. So it was oh. not good. Wow. See, to me, that's more difficult to work with than any sort of, you know, question or doing another take or whatnot. 
Yeah, that's like some climax stuff for you Jaspar Noé fans. (laughs) Winkity wink. (laughs) I I do not get the reference, so if you don't, (laughs) it's okay. (laughs) I get lots of references and make lots of jokes that nobody gets. So if you get it, I like you. (laughs) Were those all the fun facts that you had to share with us? Those are all my fun facts. I actually have one that I found when I was reading. Um, The illustration of Rose that Jack draws was actually drawn by James Cameron. Multi-talented man here. I I had no idea. Because I always... I always like try to think about, you know, the actor doesn't necessarily know how to draw. So when there's no like, an artist actor, I'm always intrigued, like who does the actual set design behind the scenes uh, for the artwork or who does the artwork in these movies. And mm-hmm. to see that it was James Cameron himself. I don't know. That just kind of excited me. And I also read that that was the first scene that they shot in the movie. Yeah, I read that, too. And it worked out because there was that nervousness between Kate and Leo of like, this is their first day working together and they have to do this like um, intimate scene. And it worked in James Cameron's favor that that's how it worked production wise, because you see that like nervousness in the acting as well. Which the reason they had to do that was because they were building a whole new studio to do the actual like wet boat shots so that was just a set that they could use right 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 away you know they built a whole studio from I think it was something like May to September like how do you do that incredible I would honestly love to work on a movie of the scale one day because I just want to know how it all runs I just feel like like a little city for a little while like almost 2,000 people working on the movie that's you're playing god (laughs) just kidding (laughs) I don't know about that, but <laughs> um, Aquarius, sorry. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's amazing. I just, I can't even believe it was done sometimes. And he keeps doing it. Like, I don't know. I, I've always admired James Cameron's work. I know he's not everyone's favorite director, but I always enjoyed his stuff. But in Me general, too. too, like, I love mainstream content. Like, I love stuff that hits all the masses. Like, I think there's so much beauty and art in that type of filmmaking, too. You don't have to be so, like, niche or avant-garde to be considered an artist in my mind. Like, you can be a popular artist. Still a thing. Definitely. And I appreciate all of it. Like, I love the avant-garde. I love these niche directors. And I also love the huge pop culture directors. Mm -hmm. As long as it's done with artistic integrity, I think, you know. And yeah, it was. It's not just the special effects and all that. It's like James Cameron managed to have all that plus, I think, a really gripping love story that just dragged you in and, you know, made you really resonate with the people on the Titanic, which I will say. okay, so, you know, the character at the beginning, the guy who's leading the expedition in the modern time. I don't know what the character's name is. Um, I'm pretty sure that that was kind of James Cameron as like a character in the movie because he wanted to go lead the expedition. And then he said he didn't really understand the full, like emotional tragic part until he got down there. And then he came back up and just started sobbing, which that character is really crass and stuff. And then he like has this moment at the end where he's like, I never really got it until now. And it's just a really interesting, like statement on humanity, I think. 
Oh, I for sure agree with you. When I watched it, I was like, that has to be James Cameron. Like, yep. It, his, him through the whole process of exploring the ship, learning about it, writing this movie, thinking more about the people and what that tragedy would have actually been like if you were aboard the ship and how right. all these people had lives and stories and, you know, every one of them tragedy. was the star of their own movie. They weren't just numbers. Yeah, which is something exactly. we can think about today in 2020. And I also love when directors put themselves in the movie as a character, even if it's very subtle. No, I agree. I think it's it's so much fun because it's it is subtle because you you know unless you actually did the research and looked up what James Cameron did to prepare for the movie, you would have just thought like, oh, that's just another character, you know, and not yeah. And that's why it. that storyline was so important. I think it really marries the people who are just like, oh, the Titanic, it crashed and this is how it happened and it broke apart and na na na, you know, to like that emotional side, which I will always connect with the emotional side because I'm like such an empath. But <laughs> what did you think about that um, whole kind of undersea exploration aspect of the movie? Because when I was watching it, I was like, what is this? Like, can we just fast forward to like the romance, you know? A lot then, of people felt that way, I think. But then when I finished the movie, I was like, no, this is actually a genius way to structure the story. I think I think it was genius too. I think it was way better. I I so I enjoyed it. And I think that was just me being like, come on, where's tape two? Impatient. Like you wanted yeah. you wanted that like thing that you knew, the drama of it. But I think it kind of brings you back and it I think he flawlessly goes between both worlds. Like I never really feel like interrupted by the modern stuff because they kind of put it mostly in the beginning and then wrap it up at the end for the most part. And I, I like the modern stuff too because you see how Rose changed so much between that love she had or like after that love she had with Jack like it it changed her whole life after that moment right right I agree and I also think it allowed it to be more of a classic James Cameron film you know with the modern like you know adventure like thing <laughs> and the robots and yeah uh, all that kind of stuff like he loves that clearly so that really I think put his touch on it and I don't know for me it was kind of like a coming of age story meets love story meets epic adventure meets tragedy meets American dream so somehow they got all that in there it's like every movie genre put together yeah yeah plus did I say period drama I don't even know like I I don't think you did but it's that too like I'm sure there's more but Okay, something that I also love about James Cameron, which I realized when I was watching this movie, is, like, he's very clear in who the villain is. He's like, this is the piece of shit asshole that you need to hate in the movie. And I've seen Avatar. I watched it when it came out in theaters. And it was so clear who the villain was in that. Mm -hmm. And then the Terminator movies, it's so clear who the villain is. And then even in this love story, Titanic, where I was like, how is he going to have a villain? Because usually his villains are so, like, robot or like you know army yeah. people or like it's so like clear who the Manly bad guy is villain, yeah. yeah and then it's like oh her fiance he's a complete total piece of shit like yep. and he's he always does the bad thing always mm-hmm. like there's mm-hmm. never a moment where he does something nice or where there's like 
empathy for him. You're like, no, he's just a complete dick. Like literally all the words is how you would describe him. (laughs) Yeah, but it still doesn't feel unrealistic. And I think they add in some other characters that are a little bit more gray with like the mom because you kind of get where she's coming from. Even with the designer of the ship, the captain. I mean, they're kind of annoying asshole men at some points, but you still get them. But then you have that one villain who's just like bad. Yeah, and you know he's bad from the moment you see him. You're like, oh, I no. mean, those eyebrows just told yeah. you everything, everything you needed to know. <laughs> those eyebrows. <laughs> I mean, what? Yeah, what is going on with those eyebrows? I mean, I'm sure it's the yeah, it's, I'm sure it's the 19 1912. Like that was in with the rich guys, but it's so funny to me. <laughs> The interesting thing was, I guess the costumes were pretty historically accurate, which I always look at because I took costuming in college and my teacher was always like so crazy about like, is the costuming accurate um, with movies? And I guess it was, but the makeup was actually not. That was just totally 90s because they didn't wear makeup in 1912. If you wore it in 1912, you looked like a painted lady or a whore and that was not good. Right, right. So that might have just been some 90s brows. That might have been some creative. uh... (laughs) Yeah. Uh, What's the word? I don't know. Yeah, what's the word? Creative. um, You know what I'm talking about. Oh, my God. Uh, Everyone who's listening is like, uh, like saying the word. Wait, what was it? It's license. Yes, yes, yes. Creative license to do whatever you wanted with the makeup. Yeah, Yeah, which I mean, I get it. You don't want to see a big budget movie like that and have no makeup on the stars. Right. Because like, okay, unless you've filmed something or you've been on camera or like you understand this concept, like I didn't know this until I started doing more camera work and like being in front of the camera too. If you don't have any makeup on your face, you look dead. I don't know what it is. The camera just makes you look dead. Like you don't look like that in person. No. But the camera, like, you have to put a little bit of makeup on just so, so you look alive. And yeah, it's definitely. so weird, but you need it. It's so necessary. And it's, like, big budget and glamorous. Give the girl a little red lipstick. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> Do we want to get into our little Q&A section? I forgot yes. what we're calling it. <laughs> yes, yes, let's do it. Okay, so I've ran down some questions for Claudia that we will discuss or answer both as well. They're not really in any particular order. They're just kind of how I came up with them. Okay, cool. Um, and now we're going to try to like answer these quickly, which I think you should answer them too, Lena. Yeah, I will. Um, okay. So, okay. My first question. Would you have thrown the necklace, the heart of the ocean, in the ocean at the end like old Rose did? Fuck yeah. I thought about this for a long time while watching it. And I really at first thought, oh my God, because my like capitalism got to me. And I was like, why did she throw it in the ocean? But She's old. She's going to die. She already has money. She's fine. She doesn't want that. She's putting it back in the ocean. Okay. I I was with what your initial thought was, was like, why did she throw it? Because the reason why they were finding it is like, didn't they want to put it in a museum or something? I thought they wanted to put it in a museum. It was like personal for her. Who cares? (laughs) Can you imagine if I was like, Okay, this is going to sound so absurd. And I don't know why this is the example that came into my mind. But can you imagine if, like, 
I don't know, you wrote like the first draft of the Bible and you're like threw it in the ocean or like, I don't even, I don't even know why I'm using the Bible as a reference. That's words. <laughs> Those are words. Or like they're more important than diamonds. And I hate that. A better, let me think of a better example. Like, I, cause I love history and I love seeing like old historical artifacts. Yeah, so I would have like, I don't know. I like kind of broke my heart a little bit, but then I was also like, how who says that you own this necklace like yeah it was gifted to you and I don't know I just you're like like it's so complex (laughs) yeah like it's for the people literally that's how I felt like it wasn't even like oh the guy did the exploration he deserves to sell it like no like literally it should be donated it's for the people I mean I'm with you I agree with both of us honestly like yeah. And it did belong to, I think, one of the King Louis of France. So, like, it could have been in a museum. But for me, I just thought it was, like, indicative of her rebellious spirit where she was like, I'm making my choices. I'm calling the shots. This is my history. And I lost the man I loved to this ocean. And I'm giving this back. But, you know, I live for the drama. So, yes. Which, okay, okay. let me segue then to my next question, which I didn't have it in this order, but our conversation is leading me to ask this. Did Rose love her husband post-Jack? Because, like, she's so obsessed with this, like, love. Oh, which I gosh. understand, like, young love is, like, so impactful. But then it made me think, like, did she not care about who she ended up marrying long-term? Or, like, because we don't get anything out of that, which I know that's, like, not part of the story. Well, but... he's dead already, right? So Yeah, yeah, he is. I really, I don't know. I feel like... I'm too young to answer this and I haven't like experienced the loss of love, romantic love like that. So I really don't know how that journey is. That's just going to be my answer. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And I mean, I think that's more of me just being like, wait, why don't we ever get anything about her husband? Like I don't need story, but like even at the end where you see all those pictures of her, there's no man in any of the pictures. (laughs) That's like like her (laughs) feminist self. I think, you know, hopefully at least it was like a really nice friendship and companionship. And maybe it wasn't Jack level love, but I hope it was good. Yeah, I do too. And I hope because like, you know, it to me, it was like, well, Jack sacrificed himself at the end. So, you know, did she get to like have another love? Because I think this is kind of the hopeless romantic in me a little bit where it's like, if I lost my partner, the person that I love, you know, I would hope that I get to have another love or experience some sort of other love later on. I'm in my over life. here like I throw myself off that door into the ocean. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Which, okay, this is not one of my questions, but something I wanted to talk about was like the whole door issue. Okay. Yeah. So I used, to, I used to agree with the people that were like, oh my God, there's so much space on the door Thanks. like to fit them both. To- but then you rewatch the movie and you see that they tried to do that. They First did. Thing, they tried to do that. It's a balance thing. You can't, things only float with certain balances. Like it's it, like it, certain weight. Yeah. And so they tried that like clearly and it didn't work. So then. Well, and you can, even if they kept trying more, he was going to put her at risk. You can get hypothermia in minutes with that cold of water. So she yeah. needed to stay out. She almost died anyway, like not being in the water. Yeah, like so, if the boat had only been there like 10, 15 minutes later, like who knows? Yeah, um, so everybody's like, just move over. I, I don't think that was the case. You guys have no, to no. like suspend your disbelief a little more to like. Well, not even over. suspend disbelief, it's science. Like literally the buoyancy, like it just wouldn't have worked. <laughs> okay, maybe you know that I, science is not my strength. So. <laughs> yeah. 
Like it just wouldn't have worked. Um, but anyways, that's our little tangent. Well, that we had to, you know, address the elephant there. in the room. You know, everybody's <laughs> fighting about it. Okay. So my next question is, if you could play any role, who would you pick? Rose. But let me think about if I wasn't gonna be a basic bitch. <laughs> okay, I I don't know why I'm like Kathy Bates's character. <laughs> I love that. That's hilarious. <laughs> she was pretty great. She's I mean, just like a fun lady. Everybody kind of like hated her a little bit because she's new money, but she like didn't care at all what they thought of her because she was like, I'm still here, bitch. Like that was kind of her attitude. Yeah. And I she, loved her. <laughs> she rolled with the punches, but so did yeah. Jack, you know, that spirit. Yeah. So I think, yeah, for me, it would have been Kathy Bates' character. <laughs> like, let me be the side character. I don't want to okay, be. I'm glad not everybody's saying Rose then. That's <laughs> but I said it. Yeah. Well, can you elaborate a little bit more? Because you did say it. And it's not boring to want to play Rose because she's such an iconic character. Because I don't know. Like, clearly, when I was in my room, I was reenacting all the scenes with Rose, like her, like I was pretending to be underwater. I was making the dramatic faces. I think I just, I like the tragedy in characters. So I always go for the tragic woman all the well, time. I'm, I love to pretend to cry. Like, I don't know. And I, I don't know if this is a little too personal and we can cut it out, but Ooh. I, I see you in Rose. Like, so I okay. see why you would want to play her. Okay. Because okay. you love glamour. You love all these things of, like, where she came from. I but do. you also love your freedom. And oh. you love, you know, not feeling trapped. I do. So you're, like, you're her in both I ways. I feel the struggle that she feels. You know? Yeah. So I see you in her. Because she I can almost see why you would play up. her. She almost gives up on Jack. And she's like, no, we can't see each other. I must do this. But... Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. Yeah. I was like, I see myself as Kathy Bates. <laughs> no. Rolling with the punches. <laughs> no, I don't even know if I see myself as her. I just thought but she was such a fun, fun character. character. She's yeah. so, so I, so I, I think I would, I would have just had fun playing her character in the movie. Yeah. Oh, okay, so the next question is... Oh, I guess this is our last question. Oh, okay. oh wait, no. No, no, no. There's two more. Yeah. Okay, I, cool. I just I read them out of order, so I got a little confused. Um, and this, I guess, ties in with what we just said. Would you throw away the life of glamour for freedom and love? I hate this question. <laughs> I hate it, Rena. Stop. <laughs> you go I'm first. making you really think here. I need time. Go. Okay, so let me let me answer first. Um, well, I've never had the glamour life, so I would say yes. And. That was something that I even related to uh, for Rose is because the, you know, I'm I'm Muslim, I'm Arab, you know, and both of those communities have these ideas of what women should be, which is not, it's universal, actually. A lot of cultures and religions have ideas of what women should be and how you're supposed to act and the way you're supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And... I think I spent most of my life fighting that because I I hated that. Like, what are you going to tell me? Like, I have to act a certain way. I have to be a certain way. Like, it just never felt right with me. And it is a very feminist thing to want freedom for yourself to make your own choices. And so I would throw away the life of glamour for freedom and love. And the way, too, Rose was so unhappy. I could see, like, I would be exactly the same amount of unhappy in that situation. 
suppressed. Like that stuff is not. Yeah. Like I can totally relate to all those parts from just like growing up and like feeling like what I am and what I wanted wasn't in line with what society thinks I should be. Mm -hmm. And so I would totally throw away the life of glamour for freedom and love. Like I wouldn't even bat an eye. I would just do it. Okay, those well, are the things that mean the most to me out of anything. Yeah. Like material possessions don't mean anything to me. I'm going to agree with you, but I'm going to change it from the life of glamour to just wealth. Cause I'm always going to be glamorous, even if I'm dirt poor. <laughs> That's true. That is very true. But I give up the money. Money, yeah. Well, and I think she had, like, pretty decent money by the time she was old, let's be real. Oh, yeah. They had a house. They were fine. (laughs) So, you know, she wasn't, like, crazy rich, but she was pretty, pretty well off. Yeah. And she always had that necklace if she really needed to sell something. (laughs) Very true. But she didn't even need to. So, boom, there you go. Definitely going to choose freedom and happiness. Yes. And love. Okay, so this is more of like a about set design and costume question. What was okay. your favorite costume piece or piece of set design or both? I couldn't decide which category I wanted to go in and I had to stick within five. So I kind of put it together, even though it's two questions. <sighs> okay, okay, okay. Oh, this is hard. Do you want to go first? Um, this is hard. And I'm just going to say instinctually what I think of the first image that comes to my mind. And it's the the last scene when Old Rose passes and she goes and she's back on the Titanic and she is in the ballroom and the staircase and she looks up and there's Jack. That yeah. set, that costume, just everything about that scene was just like perfect. That shot. Okay. I loved Jack's costume and I loved that ballroom like staircase area. That was probably yeah. one of my favorites. But then this is hard because then I'm like, but I also loved all the hallways and the ship sinking and like all that water and like the electricity from like a visual standpoint. Like that was super cool. Her um, dress in that last segment of the movie was really beautiful. All of her dresses were basically beautiful. I love the one in the beginning where she it was like black and red. That was yeah, really that was pretty. cool. Which I thought like they used very 90s colors, even though it was like. I thought they were personally like yeah. the burgundy and that like green color. Oh yeah. That's so true. Even though the silhouette was like very 19. Yeah. 19, the colors 12. were still nineties, but I, okay. I really, for some reason, I just like the dress that she wears throughout the end that gets wet because it was made to look good, wet and dry. And I just appreciate something like that. But I also like the one when Jack first sees her on the deck, that's kind of like, I think it's green or is has it? green. I can't remember it, but it made a good impression on me. <laughs> yeah. And even like Jack's outfit, like his poor man outfit, like I loved it. I thought it was, it was kinda so great. hot. Yeah. <laughs> but I also liked him in the tux. I don't know. I, I he could wear anything probably. And look good. I know. And the set, I don't know what my favorite set was. I mean, they were all great and they all everything had to be made brand new because the Titanic was so brand new. So everything was like shiny, sparkly new. Right. Vintage. And obviously it had to be made because the Titanic is underwater. (laughs) Right. Literally rebuild all of it. (laughs) They couldn't even get like antique props because they would have looked too distressed and everything on the Titanic was brand new because it was its first voyage. Um, I know. Which I love that shot of like all the fine china that they were raving about just crashing. Yeah. I like that shot. 
And then I don't know if this is a set. I really, the whole set was great, but I like the image when everything is underwater and that body is just like that girl's body. Oh, yes. That was so beautiful. That was such a beautiful shot. Yeah. But there were so many good shots, like just the way they played with levels, like back to when Jack first sees Rose, there's like him and then there's her and then there's the deck above. And it's just like the depth of the scenes are great. Oh, my God. It was so good. Mm-hmm. Like every shot is oh, beautiful. Oh my god! I'm close. like I can't even like I'm like I can't even talk because I'm like oh my god it was so good. Yeah, like the shots were great, which I think brings it into that good artistic realm when you understand composition and making every scene look like a beautiful picture. Yes. Or photo. Yeah, which I always think is so important. Like I should pause the movie at any shot, and it should look like a photograph to me. It should look good no matter where you pause it, basically. Yeah. Um, But those were all the questions I had. Do we want to get into our last segment for today's show? Well, I think we have overall rating and then our last. Oh, right. Right. Overall rating. All right. I'm ready. Okay. I am too. You want to go first? Yes. 9.5 for all the reasons I described. The only thing is, um, I think... The actual song was a little bit cheesy. Do I hate that? No. But was it a little cheesy? Yes. So <laughs> how can you hate on Celine Dion? <laughs> I'm not. It's just the song. She didn't write it. She didn't even want to record it. That's a demo. So <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> the song is so iconic. That's one of the things I wrote was like song is iconic. And you're like, I hate it. <laughs> I mean, you no, just say I you hate it. Hate it. <laughs> I, I wrote down like music kind of cheesy, but iconic. So, yeah. I, well, you know, I love cheese factor. So I was all for it. Um, I would give this movie a 10 out of 10. I thought it was a perfect movie. It had everything that I love. It's, it was just I perfect. I want to give it a 10. I'm just like, I can't give anything a 10. So this is basically a 10 from me. Yeah, I just, no, I, I will be giving 10 out of 10s everywhere. I'm like, <laughs> I love that. I'm very generous. <laughs> well, and I like the music throughout the film. I just don't like when we get to the credits and it's the big lyrical, like Celine Dion. It kind of breaks it for me because I'm like destroyed. I'm destroyed by the end. Let me tell you, I cried within the first 10 minutes of the movie. I was sobbing. So... I was also sobbing at the end. I didn't cry in the middle during the nice love part, but beginning and sobbing. See, I am a weirdo and I only cry in animated films. So I did not I cry, cry in, my in every film. <laughs> but I did, when it, the Krolitz rolled, I just felt like, wow, I felt, I felt a lot of emotions. There was a lot going on inside. Just how that made me, movie made me feel. It was a mixture of both devastation and intense hope and excitement, though. I re- I do have to say the reason I appreciate movies like this so much is that they really inspire me to live. I yes. don't know if that makes sense. It really makes me want to live and make my life worth it, which is like the best thing a movie can really do for me because I can be a little bit like existential. No, and I completely agree. Like the movies that I love the most have always been ones that inspire me to live my life to the fullest. Yeah. Like I want to jump off my couch and I just want to go, but I don't know where to go. But that's the feeling it gives me. 
Yes. yes. I want to do something agree. with my life when I watch movies like this. Yes. So I, I completely agree. And that's that's where I pick my favorite movies. If it does that for me, it's a favorite. So this will be one of my favorite movies for sure. Always. And also yeah, if I get inspired to like get up and act or do it in the bathroom and pretend I'm in it, that's also favorite criteria. <laughs> no, I'm definitely adding this in my top favorite films. I like how my, my top 10 favorite films has like 20 movies in it. <laughs> like it's just. Yeah, I don't try try anymore with top favorites. I'm like, I don't know. Don't ask me that question. Yeah, there's too many. (laughs) All right. Well, I guess we should, you know, move on over to our very last segment to end on a bit of a lighter note. And that will be Mary Screw Kill for the characters of the movie. Do you want to go first? I have to think. (laughs) Okay, let's see. I'm not going to think is what I'm going to do. Mary... Oh, God, I guess I am thinking. <laughs> it's actually harder than you think. Okay, is- I, okay I'll, I'll go. Oh, I have. Um, okay, no, you go ahead. I'll, you go. I'd probably marry Jack because I love a free-spirited artist, man, as we know. <laughs> or if you're listening, you're like, who are you? <laughs> My partner is a free-spirited artist, man. So yeah. I'm attracted to that. And for screw, I'd probably, I feel like, okay, I'm not going to stick to like, just, I'm like, I don't know. Screw's hard. Uh, probably like Fabrizio or Tommy, who <laughs> 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 like Jack's friends. That's funny. They're both cute. And then kill clearly her ex-fiance because that man was a jerk and he was abusive. So I'm not about that life. And he like basically stole a child to get on a boat. So like you're like, who is this person? Like they're clearly awful. (laughs) Okay, for me, I'm going to marry Jack. I'm going to screw Rose and I'm going to kill. (laughs) I don't know. It's somewhere between the fiance and any of the dumb men who basically made the Titanic sink. Right. So maybe like the <laughs> financier or the, I wouldn't oh, kill the designer. No. The, the guy who decided that there didn't need to be all the boats. Whoever, whoever that guy is. That, yeah. You're terrible. Yeah. But I'll, I'll you... probably just kill the cow fiance guy. Yeah. Just to keep it simple. Or, or that guy who I know he's like lower ranked, but that guy that was like putting like 12 or like 15 people on boats that could hold like 60 yeah. or 70, like that guy. <laughs> or the one Basically who- anyone who caused more deaths than needed to. Like, I'll shoot you like dogs. <laughs> we could also yeah. kill him. Yes. <laughs> any of those men. Basically any man. <laughs> that- None of the women. <laughs> Just men. Well, I think that wraps it up unless you have any final thoughts, Lena. No, I do not. I think that was everything. I'm sure in a week I'll be like, oh man, I wish I said this, but you know what? That's okay. We're just trying to have a dinner party. Yes. We're having an organic conversation, slightly structured about this movie we just watched. So So go ahead, subscribe, like this podcast, and uh, DM us if you have any movie recommendations. Yes, that's basically what we're doing here is we're going to watch a movie, something that we've already seen, maybe something that one of us has never seen, and give our thoughts on it and give some background about the film and the process. 
And I hope you guys enjoyed and we will see you in our next one. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye.